Hey everybody, Connor here from the Straight From a Scientist podcast, where we connect you directly with real researchers working on a variety of science disciplines. Even with the best intentions, science journalism can be a game of telephone. So we're going to cut the cord and let you listen in directly on what these experts are working on. These discussions are raw and conversational and let you really get an inside scoop into what life is like as a scientist and how we can improve the scientific process in the future. And as that snippet said, that is Connor. We are having a joint podcast episode today where you get to learn a little bit about both our podcasts, some of the cool things that we've discovered in podcasting, special guests. So if you basically want to get the synthesis of another podcast person, Connor, and the scientist show that he's been putting on with his friend and his team, then check this out. You also get to hear about my thoughts on the podcast. And like I said in the other episode today, because this is a bonus episode, if you hate this, if you like this, let me know. I want to hear it. Even if you think it's like, oh, wow, lol, you said something goofy at minute, four minutes, and two seconds, I want to hear it. Tune in every Tuesday to the Learning with Lowell podcast with me, your host, Lowell, to hear world-class scientists, startup founders, CEOs, and authors, people who you wouldn't normally hear about but are making huge waves all the same. You'll understand them and their work by hearing their passion, laughter, advice, and hearing them, the experts, break down what they're working on so that you can learn, push the boundaries of your knowledge, and understanding. Three quick ways to show your support and get unique, exclusive, and fun content is by checking out the learningwithlowell.com website, our Patreon page. Even if it's just a buck, it keeps this advertisement free and subscribing we start out in this episode talking about connor's name because i'm kind of an idiot and i got him confused with julian and i wanted to specify that before we continued so we'll get into him and uh, me clarifying on that right now your name's connor right like just as like a random thing your name is connor yeah there's julian that's also the Okay. Straight from a scientist. Well, I keep in my head, I just have you as McGregor. So I just feel like that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am not the MMA fighter. <laughs> oh, so so you claim. But yeah. I've, I've never, you know, for people listening, if this makes it in, I've never seen the guy physically. So he could be kind of McGregor, who just is a science nerd in his free time. <laughs> but um, damn straight. So, you know, a, a question I have for you is are, are there, do you have any like favorite episodes you've done? Like, like, of the people you've interviewed, are there any that like stand out as like, oh, wow, I really enjoyed that conversation. It's like really nice. I love talking to everyone that we had on the podcast um, to pick favorites. I think I'm definitely biased towards episodes in which I feel I have done a good job because I'm not an expert podcaster. I realize that I make errors all the time. And so I feel really good about episodes where I feel I ask the right questions and just let my guests do the talking and move the conversation and towards areas where they want to really talk about. I haven't always done that. <laughs> so I guess I'd say the episode 30 was a really recent one that comes to my mind where I feel like we really got in a great groove. Um, it was super conversational, but at the same time, we got into the hardcore discussion of science and how that process actually evolves and how we actually handle that process in daily life. So for reference, episode 30 was uh, Waylon Yu. He's a student at UNC, and we met together in one of the rooms in in my building and just had a podcast in like the middle of the afternoon on like a Thursday, <laughs> which was a lot of fun. And of course it was great that we were in the same room together. So I think all the ones when I can actually do a local interview, I feel I do a better job of that. I went to, um, com SciCon triangle, which is, uh, RTP triangle research triangle park in North Carolina. It's this huge, uh, basically city of biotech, uh, in between three cities, of Raleigh, Durham, and Chapel Hill that all have schools in them 
NC State, Duke, and UNC, respectively, that contribute heavily to like the intellectual property and the technical elements behind all of these biotech startups. It's a really cool place to be. Uh, but I digress. Anyways, I'm at this convention and all four of those interviews are also in person. I think it's a lot easier to connect with people um, when you are in person rather than over Skype, although we try and, and in a lot of cases it still works out. So anyways, um, yeah, that's been my experience. I think episode 30 was great, uh, especially recently. And I, I feel like I really got to talk to Waylon about kind of the good and bad side of science and that process. And also some of the fascinating work that he's doing in addiction, depression, and um, pain research, actually, considering that I, I didn't really realize that there are similar brain structures that regulate all three of those. And we might be able to identify like vulnerable populations to all three of these sort of vicious, vicious cycle um, disorders and ailments that people suffer from. Mm -hmm. um, so I had a lot, of, a lot of fun with that. And I'm looking forward to a lot of on-campus interviews that I have been in the works for a while. Um, they're a little harder to come by because everyone's got a busy schedule on campus. But uh, yeah, they're definitely worth it when they happen. So, mm -hmm. so what about you? Favorite episodes and uh, things you're really excited about, I guess. I hate everyone. But <laughs> no, they're all great. Well, to, well, to follow up on a point that you made, I, 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 I wish I could see more people more often. Like I like seeing people in person. It's like it's sometimes it's hard to attach on you know like when you see like those visual cues like you miss out a lot just like talking to someone like For over sure. just audio yeah i need to get a webcam on my desktop um i would use my laptop but it's crashed before and i don't want to take that risk any ever again yeah so. the well george church who i recently interviewed the i had i had like four fail safes to talking with him and like two like two of them i didn't have before just because i was worried we were gonna have a problem and mm -hmm. Every single one failed besides oh, the last no. one. Like the last one was like, why is this not working? And when he got on, he was like, yeah, what's, you know, what's up? And like, he was like completely calm. But like, to me, I was like, oh God, I almost missed it. Because right. you know, it's like a really <laughs> interesting person. He's in Siberia right now. And yeah. it's, it's not a punishment. He's choosing to go there to play with woolly mammoths. Um, oh, are they really trying to clone them up there? <laughs> well, the, it, right. well, it is, it is, a, it is a bit of a misnomer because they're not really bringing back the woolly mammoths. All they're doing, like, if you think of it this way, they're they're taking Asian elephants, which are closely related to woolly mammoths, and they're just giving them characteristics of a woolly mammoth so that they can live in these tundra regions with permafrost. And and I probably wondered, like, why would you do that? And their reasoning is. And there's a book called Wooly on this, but the reasoning is that the permafrost, which at the end of the last ice age, like there was lots of these big animals, like, you know, going about their lives and, you know, mm -hmm. doing their stuff. And these researchers, Zimoffs, there's like a father and son team in Siberia who have over the past 30 years been doing these re this research that like these big animals, herbivores that we just wiped out, you know, 10,000 years ago, that when they're doing their daily business of like rutting up you know eating stuff you know what have you it reduces the surface temperature of the permafrost by 20 celsius so that's you know whatever in, in fahrenheit so that's quite significant and the issue there is if the permafrost melts it releases a crap ton of you know that's you know literal scientific metric you know uh, <laughs> measurement a crap ton of methane into the atmosphere which is worse than other types of greenhouse gases and like it in of itself would like tip us over like those points that everyone is talking about. So they're trying to scenario. Yep. So they're basically extending the range of these Asian elephants, giving them characteristics of an extinct species that we killed 
and then sticking them in these regions to to one you know they get more places to live which is kind of nice two reintroducing the uh, an ecosystem that's been dead for 10,000 years and three reducing the surface temperature in these areas by up to you know 20 you know 25 celsius but to answer your question i would say i'd say the the ones that really jumps out jump out to me is james feld he is basically take taken synthetic biology and artificial intelligence to make a protein generator it would be like the simplest way to describe it. He was in Forbes' 30 Under 30. Really fantastic guy. He's in England, and he's the CEO of Lab Genius. The The fun thing I liked about his episode is that he, he, he talks about how one of the biggest mistakes or, or learning opportunities he had was that he took PhD scientists, and he tried making them salesmen. And <laughs> as you imagine, that did not go well. <laughs> and so, like, not to say, like, really smart people can't learn, but at the same time, it's like, if you have a limited amount of time and scarce resources, bring what, bring what people are really great at and like apply them effectively. And so, you know, he learned how to do that, but it was just, it's, it's funny to think like, as you listen to that, it's like, Oh, of course you wouldn't try to get like a professor of, of biology who spent eight years trying to learn how to do something to now figure out how to sell people on things, which is very difficult if you've never done it before, though, to some extent writing grants and, and, and the like, are very similar. But the other one, which I always recommend, is Ben Paul's, and we talked about this in the pre-game, uh, of Neuroloom, who's developing a way to interface with the brain, and it's fantastic. He's he's a really like fantastic guy. His episode, I believe, was 27. But I think you were going to say something? Uh, yeah, just a comment on why I think PhD scientists might not be the best uh, salesman inherently. It's just we're trained to constantly check ourselves right we're trying to constantly reevaluate ourselves and make sure that we're not overstepping or overpromising or in any respect uh, overreaching on any experiments and so it seems natural to me that uh, this would <laughs> not exactly be an asset when you're trying to sell something and certainly when you're proposing a grant um, you do have to consider of course the, sh the pitfalls of your your research but you do have to still forecast it in the, be in the best light possible and so going back to that sort of um structure of forming my words and and my ideas is is really refreshing and fun i'm glad i was able to submit a grant on this august cycle so fingers crossed on that <laughs> maybe gave me a little sales experience mm -hmm. for sure but uh I, I did have some sales experience previous to that but it wasn't biotech related in any respect so what did you say oh i sold uh rental chairs on a beach as a lifeguard <laughs> they pretty much sold themselves at about midday sun hmm. yeah. that's um i mean something i always am curious about when you're in a position like that why doesn't the person just add a dollar to it like if they're like 14 dollars and the place supplies them i assume you were you worked with someone you didn't just like do this you didn't go to a beach somewhere but oh yeah it was for a company yeah, yeah. Like, why wouldn't you just add a dollar to it? Or like, why doesn't anyone ever just add a dollar to something like that? And then just pocket the dollar as like a tip? Um, we heard of some people doing that, and they got caught and fired. But, <laughs> but like, what do they care? They're getting their money. Yeah, the managers are pretty on top of it. You're supposed to advertise the price. And then if they don't like the price, they can there's companies that are a couple blocks down, they can always go and <laughs> confer with them. But for the most part, yes, people are lazy. And it's... Uh, probably pretty advanced pretty easy to take advantage i wouldn't say take advantage i i would i would say just a nice tip but i have not done this either i just something i always wonder like why wouldn't someone apparently they, they do it outside of america like in, in other countries they'll like 
America, we have like very fixed prices for a lot of things. Like you go down like a gallon of milk is like a dollar. Right. You don't have haggling in, in the yeah. United States. So, which I, I, I have a number on it. Yeah. I wish we did. I think that'd be fun. You know, it would make it really hard to go through Walmart if like just, I worked at Walmart for a while. So I'm like maybe having like a flashback of what that would be like. But um, it would just be fantastic. Like even, even as someone who worked at a Walmart before, I, I would I would generally enjoy to see people try to haggle over things. <laughs> Just it would be fun. But we're all about efficiency in America, though. It would take too much time. No one could ever get their business done. <laughs> it's true. Well, th- funnily enough, uh, two points before we jump into this one. I just wanted. No, I'll, I'll go into this one because the other one's kind of been sidetracked. But the so in America, we actually have a high threshold for weird things popping up so to give an example when if like a train's 15 minutes late americans are like yeah okay if a train is 15 minutes late in japan or china like someone is losing their job and it's actually really funny well not eh, funny maybe not the right word but when people from asia go to france to see disneyland or disney world whichever the one it is they have a hotline for when people see it and are so disappointed they have breakdowns so you can like the Japanese pe- people have set up a hotline or French or the French people set up a hotline so that when they're in crisis, they can call someone and like be talked down as they are disappointed with how bad it looks. <laughs> I would never have guessed that. <laughs> yeah. It's a very small world, but the uh, more, you know, but the funny thing that I was going to reference as well is that uh, you mentioned how like scientists are very exact and, uh, and I've talked to an, on, you know, a lot of startups on my on my podcast and they say how like because i've talked to people in europe and i've talked to people in america and pretty much everyone wants to talk like how americans talk and specifically like how american men pitch themselves in meetings because apparently we're just the right amount of arrogant to to factualness (laughs) that everyone wants to emulate to the to the point where like uh people who are from America will go over there and they'll pitch things and people will come up to them after afterwards. and like, how did you learn to talk so confidently and, and, and like really pitch yourself. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like everyone, even the, even the men over there, the men and the women, like they, they, they all admit that like they, they try to learn how to do that better because like we just, there's something about us that just makes us that like wild cowboy, like a little, little shy, you know, a little shy of arrogance, I think, but it's, it's really funny to hear them talk about it. And how like they're they're normally like well this is ninety nine percent probably going to happen but they'll just sit there and like go on and on about the one percent where in a lot of business meetings it's like oh this is a fifty fifty chance of going to happen oh that it's basically happened already you know <laughs> chance like well, why haven't I got my ten million dollars <laughs> like it's like too good of odds or a lot I'll of fake it till you make it mentality yeah that's pretty yeah. much America in a nutshell isn't it <laughs> riding on a huge trade deficit and not giving it a rat's ass about it. <laughs> Very American. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, gonna adopt, yeah, more of that style next time I give a talk. Be a little more brazen about it. Well, it's like I don't. I've met people. There's like really bad arrogance, and there's just like people who are confident and maybe know how to like talk appropriately. Like it's not like it's not like they're lying, but it's more like they're mitigating the negatives in a way where like everyone knows they're doing it. Like if it's gonna take four years, I'll say two, just so that they get the funding, even though the people who are giving them the funding know that it's going to take four. But if you say mm-hmm. four years, they won't give you the money. Right. Cause then they think you mean eight years. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like, you, you gotta like know how to like, uh, like spin the plates just right, which is, it's really interesting, but 
America is an interesting place. I don't know. What are, what are your demographics? Are they all from America or do you get any from like other places? Oh, yeah, we get people from all over the world um, with at least places in which there are scientific labs and research centers. Um, so we I think our total count for countries, probably like four or five. Um, had some people on from the UK, uh, some Spanish scientists, mostly United States, absolutely. And then I think one from New Zealand, if I'm not mistaken. So that's fantastic. Did he a little bit all over the place. Oh, no, no, no. None of these were, other than the one in Spain, none of them were, lo- were local. So, no, no, no. I mean, like, did the guy in New Zealand go to Hobbiton? Oh, uh, I don't think that question was asked of her. It was uh, <laughs> a oh. lady. Yeah, I can't, I'm blanking on the name right now, but I can pull it up. I would have asked, but that's just because I ask weird questions sometimes. <laughs> like, if you're in New Zealand, you have to check out Hobbiton. Anyone who's a Lord of the Rings fan out there, like, please back me up on this. Like, you're you're already there. You're like 99% of the way there. Like, just finish it. What I would what I would love to see, because I I was when I was in college, I was like a house leader, which is like a CA or an RA, like a community advisor for the residence halls, which I'm now conditioned to say when they only mean dorms, just the dorms. <laughs> so like I uh, kind of like oversaw like a bunch of students and made sure that they didn't like, you know, die, which was actually quite hard because my school had a lot of shootings. But anyways, the... Yeah, I'm sorry to hear about that. Yeah, I have like, uh, well, they always like they quote it and say off-campus shootings, but I know exactly where these places are and all those are students. So like they're just like they're students living right next to the campus where like the Greek row people are. And it's like, I know where this is. This is not like random civilians nearby. Like this is like clearly students, but it's, it's students killing each other or is it um, like students being accosted and <laughs> shot I, in the street? All I, I just, I look at the news alert and I'm just like, Oh, okay. And I just go about my day. It doesn't really get me down, but uh, are you I mean, I don't, Chicago you said, or no. Sorry. I'm near Chicago. Okay. Yeah. Some of my friends have been to school there. They <laughs> would consistently talk about gunshots being heard down the street and stuff like that. It is weird. Chirac. It's true. I mean, there was a, a, a like a 4th of July where 80 people were killed. Wow. That's, yeah. Well, the weird thing is in Chicago. It's pretty rough. <laughs> there are more people in Chicago than there are in like Boston in the oh. outline. Like, yeah. Like there's like three million, three to nine million people in Chicago and the, and the like the region, and that's not even like that's not like if you look at a map, like they're not even including a lot of places that I would consider a part of Chicago or like near Chicago, the suburbs. But if you look at the Boston region, like they have like somewhere between like six hundred thousand and like three million, and it's like not as like concrete and compact. I don't know why we're so angry out here. I cannot tell you, but I mean I grew up in the country. I didn't like live in the city, so maybe I'd be much more angry if I lived in there. But Grew up the entire time. Yeah. yeah. Imagine that, not having a uh, quiet place to go every now and then, or at least know what a quiet place can do for you. Yeah. Well, you don't you live in, like, Connecticut or something? No, I'm in North Carolina. All right. I don't know what's wrong with me. I kept thinking Connecticut. I also kept thinking in my head that I have you as, like, McGregor instead of Connor. <laughs> so, I mean, there might be something wrong with me. But what what is it about science that kind of, like, drew you to it? I mean, you could have been maybe like successful accountant, which kind of <laughs> maybe. Oh, oh, I, I should hope not. <laughs> now, my uncle tried to talk me into being an accountant because he is an excellent accountant, um, and I knew that wasn't really my digs. Uh, I, you know, I 
seen all of the movies where I think in America, a lot of people want to grow up and be like a businessman, an important um, like finance guy or uh, been recently watching Suits, a lawyer perhaps. No, um, for me, I was definitely very interested in life in general. I grew up in a pretty rural area of Northern Virginia, and I think that has a lot of an impact on um, the things I value today. And I, I had a very large space to run around with, with a bunch of kids in the woods and do a bunch of exploring. I had a lot of free time um, the first six years of my life. It's not like you have a whole lot of responsibilities at that age. And then that grew into um, kind of a fascination with plants and animal life. And I think a lot of people would be a biologist if it paid well. Um, I myself might have done the same, but a natural first calling to me was uh, veterinary medicine. Um, or medicine in general, although I knew pretty early on that I wouldn't have been a great doctor in that I would always want to argue with patients who clearly were not taking care of themselves properly. <laughs> uh, and that just doesn't fly in the current healthcare market. So animals can't talk back. Uh, veterinary medicine was a great fit for me. I loved working with animals. I've had pets my whole life um, of various species. And I started working at a vet hospital gaining the experience that you need to go to vet school. I loved it in the day to day. Absolutely. It was like exciting. There was always new stuff coming in, um, new animals. And you're also working with people. Of course, the, uh, uh, the animals are the patients, but the owners bring them in and, and you're conversing the entire time is pretty dynamic, uh, in terms of a day to day. But I did notice that the doctors, the, the actual vets, the people who I would aspire to be, were doing the same things week to week, month to month. And they had a set, list of protocols and a set list of treatments they could administer. And beyond that, their hands were pretty much tied. And um, it seemed like it would grow boring after about five to 10 years. Uh, that didn't seem like a good long-term career for me. And so I, I was lost for a little while. This is, mind you, this is like my going into junior year of college. <laughs> um, so I didn't have a whole lot of time left to pick a prospective career path if I wanted to change it drastically. Uh, research really stood out to me as I took um, a couple of grad level courses for really just one neuroethology, which is the biological basis behind animal behavior. And that really captured me in the sense that there was there's so much that we just don't know about um, a, a lot of, of neuronal systems and uh, just a, in general, a lot about the brain. And to be able to discover a small part of that seems really appealing in terms of a lifelong goal. And while the Things that I do day to day may be very mundane, um, especially compared to like working at a vet hospital or something like that. Uh, the week to week, the month to month is really vastly different and constantly progressing. And it's that constant progression that I think I've always had in my life and and wanted to build on um, moving forward in, in career aspirations. So well, uh, it's yeah. a bit of a story, I know, but <laughs> uh, that's kind of how I got here. And I've been loving it ever since. I mean, Sure, long days in the lab suck sometimes, but long days at work suck anywhere. And um, yeah, it's all it's all worth it when you get like a key result. I would say it's those moments in which things seem to fit together, and it's like you you know it could like you have the fear that it could be too good to be true, and then you get enough data to realize that it's actually just true. So, in any case, that's that's where where I got um, on this journey. But what uh, what enticed you to take a neuroscience major 
And um, do you see yourself moving forward with that and perhaps moving in like synthetic, you said synthetic biology, right? Um, possibly a synthetic biology masters or PhD even. And would those two kind of work together? Um, I really would like to follow up on what you said, but then I don't want to be rude and not answer your question. The, <laughs> I, I, I feel free to interrupt and stop me at any point. No, like uh, you just, there's a, well, I was just, I just wanted to say like, you set yourself up very nicely to the, where like you have a, a good day to day, but like in your free time, you can go yell at people all the same. Like don't, don't right. limit yourself, you know, like don't pitch. Them. That's well, all. That's, I, what that's what hobbies are for. Yeah. What? I think the thing that I think would probably like probably drives you nuts as someone who would know this much better than me is that I, I think it, there was a, some research that came out that something like 80% of dementia related cases would go away if people ate and, and exercise and made smart choices when they were younger. Mm-hmm. And so when you know what the end conclusion is going to be, like, I think, I think it's like, I, I would find it hard not to yell at someone who's like, you know where they're going to be in like 20, 40 years. Like there's a good chance for it. Mm-hmm. It's like, just like, like is, is the donut really worth potentially getting Alzheimer's or like this, <laughs> this, 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 not like, it's like that one donut's going to be, yeah, I know. <laughs> but it's like, it's one of those things that bugs me too. Cause like when I see, especially when I see people like in the forties or fifties and their parents had Alzheimer's, I'm like, Oh, Mm-hmm. I want to be doing that. <laughs> and they're just pounding cheeseburgers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> look, I love a good cheeseburger. I love a good donut, but it, everything's got to be in balance. Right. And I think I have a really good understanding because of the reading that I do. Um, and it's been a long time interest of mine, even before I got really into the fields of neuroscience. Um, I switched, by the way, when I decided I wanted to be, be a researcher rather than uh, veterinarian, I added a biochemistry major, something a little more technical, and got really fascinated with like drug chemistry and um, just like the biochemistry of nutrition. So all this stuff, yeah, you're saying it's really pertinent to me. And you know, when I see someone who's clearly struggling health-wise, and they could easily be my age, but um, they're already showing signs of aging. It, yeah, it's tough. But how do you like say you're on the street? Do you just walk up to them and say, "Hi, how are you doing, sir? Um, I noticed you have a bag of." like fried chicken there why don't you eat a salad instead like how do you even have that conversation so i think part of what i want to do with uh the podcast is teach people why you should actually take care of your body like teach people the direct effects of their actions show them the science show them the data show them it's tested because i think there's kind of a lot of head um stuffing into the sand i don't know if there's a of blissful ignorance (laughs) there's a lot of blissful ignorance with this kind of stuff right um it's very easy to brush it off and be like ah you know uh we don't really know that these are bad for me or like everyone's different and this is the age of personalized medicine and you know my genetics can handle it or something like that it's pretty easy to take science and put it on your side of an argument that lets you eat a donut (laughs) Uh, you're trying to rationalize it right so what i think what I would try to do is expose people to the real science that shows that, hey, um, some of this stuff is not great for you. And to actually nail down the mechanisms by which people are hurting themselves by, let's say, um, ethanol exposure, right, in in early development or something like that. Uh, binge drinking can be really harmful or TBI, brain damage, um, and how that actually works so people can understand and really come to terms with what they're doing to themselves. And I think if you see that right in front of your face, you see the consequences of your actions 
right in front of your face and you see the examples of it, uh, it can get a little easier to make the right choice. And I mean, like donuts, we keep using them as an example. <sighs> they're they're damn tempting, man. <laughs> it's it's sometimes very hard, and yeah, I, I eat very healthy. Like I, I eat a really balanced diet, but sometimes you just you want what your body craves. Yeah, the which is kind of a good segue into answering your question. The so the reason I liked neuroscience, I'm trying to like decide like the most efficient way to answer this question. The there's like two big things I'd say. One was when I was very young. I grew up in the country as well, or rural. I don't know how to describe uh, describe it right. No, like my closest neighbor is like two miles away. Wow, I, yeah. and I love that. I, I would like, I'd like to go back to that life. But the screaming babies are not are no fun. The <laughs> but the there was this movie called Silence of the Lambs. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. familiar with it, but in the movie they use like profiling and like the handball guy uses his brain to figure out other people's brains and like figure out what they're going to do in advance. And I really, I really thought that was really enthralling. This idea that if you worked really, really hard and you really paid attention to the people around you, you could understand them well. And like, even though it's like a very negative thing, like, Oh, you know, I, I used to tell that to people all the time, but then they look at me like it was the killing that interested you. It's like, no, no, just the idea that you can understand people better because fundamentally like the, the people in the movie, they understood like these, you know, the negative people, but you can also understand good people. Like, I don't, I, like they just apply it to the people that are doing bad things because, you know, they, there's an end result that's quicker to see. But you could also use it to understand people doing something unhealthily and trying to understand the root cause of it to mm-hmm. help them go a different route. And so around this time as well, my grandfather had was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And so seeing him like this guy at the time of his life where like he, he, get, he gave like a lot of his life to supporting his family and being like a, a a good man and so seeing him at the time of his life where he should be retiring and enjoying his grandchildren and just like whatever he wanted you know he earned it just getting back yeah yeah just to see that stripped away from him and to to the point where he'd look at his daughters and he would be like who are you why are you in my house and then he'd remember for like that moment and you could just like see it play across his face like how how horrible that was for him and for everyone, you know, but like for someone like him, who's like in that role of like taking care of people to like not even remember them. But so like th- to next to nothing. Yeah, it's devastating. Yeah. And so like, yeah, those two things made me really want to understand the brain, uh, understanding why, why people are crazy and then seeing what I can do to help bring balance to the to the world as the <laughs> avatar. <laughs> but but um, I was so sure you were going to say force there. Yeah, well, you know, it's too on the nose, I feel like, but I've been watching my, I, I, like my girlfriend had, I live with her and she has, I bought her like a bunch of appas. I don't know if you've ever seen that TV show, but she has a bunch of flying appas, like the big plush things. They're really adorable. I don't know if you're into stuffed animals, but um, so like, I, I see them every day. So like more than Star Wars, I've been converted, but yeah, that, that, that drew me into neuroscience and the train, the change to synthetic biology, like my interest in that. I think it started when, when I was in college and I was in the last few years, and this is what stopped me from getting my PhD, would be Dr. Lowell right now, but, um, but, or maybe not, I don't know, there's a long, there's a lot of chances with that. I basically was diagnosed with this, I don't know how you can say you were diagnosed with an undiagnosed illness, but I had an illness that kept trying to kill me every week, and I was in the ICU, and to give you an example of how annoying the ICU is, 
the person, the first time I woke up in the ICU, the nurse was really happy, right? And like, I was like, okay, you know, have a nice day. And no, like too happy, like weirdly happy. And so like, when you see someone weirdly happy and at work and in that type of situation, you're going to ask, why are you so happy? Like, not that I don't want people to be happy, but she explained that over the course of 20 years of being an ICU nurse, I was the first person to leave alive. Wow. Period. And I was like, lady, you don't put any more substances in my body. I want a new nurse. <laughs> Cause like maybe she was like the angel of death or something, but she, she just laughed. Some of those nurses. <laughs> yeah. Like 20 years, no one leaves. Like that's, that's yeah. like, I'm helping. Like, I think I can make it out of here. I don't know if I like get to the, the wheelchair fast enough, but so at this time, like I was going through all that and no one knew what it was. And it was very frustrating, but eventually we figured it out and, and I like got a good drug treatment. And in the United States, it's kind of annoying to get the right drug, but I flew out and met the people who made the drug and that saved my life. And, and like, they all had like this, a great amount of passion. Like they cared about what they were doing. They cared about actually making a meaningful impact to people's lives. And so I started learning about clinical development and over the past three years, three, yes, like three years, this, this month, actually, I, um, I paid off all my medical and, and college debt. And so like this year I made like the podcast and I've been learning about like different ways to like build things that can like meaningfully impact people's lives and synthetic biology and this ability to create things in, in almost an unlimited way is like really evocative to me. Like that in genetic engineering and genome engineering is very fascinating to me. And yeah. so like, that's where I think in the applied sense, like I, I think like for me personally, I can, I, like there's people that love research, like just researching. Like to me, I, I like to like talk to people who are good at that because like I, I like to apply things. Like I, I'm like the guy who like I see the research. Now I want to see what I can do with it. So, so like I want to apply things as much as I can. And so that's what by and I want to take graduate courses and, and finish that because I want to have I want to be able to do good things. But at the same time, like I can essentially teach myself anything I want now. And I have all the contacts through the podcast. So I can ask all the specific questions. So I have like 60 plus mentors to ask questions to if I want to, like, right. like junior mentors. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, that's to answer your question of like, why, why neuroscience? Why um, synthetic biology and that type of thing now? Like those are the things that really interest me about it. Yeah, it's quite a journey. Definitely. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear you're uh, you're doing better. I, I didn't know about any of that. I I don't know. Do you discuss <laughs> that bad. in uh, another? No, it was a great story. I, do you discuss that in detail in like another podcast or? No. Uh, okay. I yeah, just feel like I'm trying to talk about it more. I don't know. Like I I interviewed George Church, the genomic engineering guy, and he's one of the reasons why I exist because like his research allowed people basically to do genetic testing like before like i mean like G human genome project and he was one of the guys like of course like anything to do with genetics and so everyone who had like the same symptoms as me like they they basically screened them and they're like hey there's this thing over here that's not working right and so they were able to like walk it down the, the road like walk like follow that stream down and figure out like the entire like the different mechanisms and then make the right. drug from that but so you need a target right exactly yeah, yeah yeah so when i was talking to him i thanked him and he was like no you should tell people about that like it inspired them more because like when I was in school, my teachers were kind of, I'd say like a, a lot of them, I'd say like a third at least were kind of cruel about it. Like me going to the ICU and having to accommodate me to any extent. Because so, you're a minor inconvenience probably. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have to move this test for him. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I really didn't 
ask. I really didn't want to. Like my my girlfriend had to make me. I didn't. I just was like, well, I couldn't make it. And she was like, well, you were in the you were in the hospital. Like, but anyway, so um, it's just like it's a hard thing to talk about. And sometimes people ask really weird sure. questions. But ultimately, to ask the question, like I really haven't been talking about it. I talk about it a little bit, but I've been trying to like talk about it more. So I'm like more able to talk about it because it because mm-hmm. like if people like George Church and like these people doing this really great research can at the end result save like my life then there's people who are listening that are maybe like hey i want to save people's lives as well or there's something inside me that's always wanted to do something and i think it eventually will impact people's lives very significantly and maybe they'll be moved by it i don't know like it's just i'm I'm experimenting now if anyone listens or like this guy is stupid i didn't want to hear this you don't email me you won't hurt my feelings though i will cry a little bit on the inside It doesn't kill you. It makes you stronger, right? <laughs> you gonna sing to me? I've been I've been almost singing like three different times when we when we, when I asked answered your question like the first three words or songs like what? I don't know if you realize this, but that's like the beginning of a song. Oh yeah. Well, we've been speaking in memes for a little while. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but to, yeah, to answer your question, no, I don't normally do it, but we'll see. Yeah, I I don't mean to like press you on the subject or anything. I just think that is like a super a super interesting and um really applicable story to kind of your whole podcasting motivation and your motivation behind uh, science and and your ed- self education thereof. So yeah. yeah, I think it can be inspiring for a ton of people, and that's really what we're looking for as an end goal as like a basic research scientist is that we can hand our knowledge off to someone who can apply it and then improve some people's conditions and then some people's research is just downright figuring out like we were talking about earlier lifestyle choices and how that would affect longevity and uh and aging of the brain so that they can have a direct impact on people by motivating their change Mm -hmm. it's a great thing about this kind of uh this kind of hobby at least is (laughs) lets you reach out and um maybe push the world a little bit in the way that you want it to go yeah I'm kind of surprised. Like when I made the when I first started the podcast, and it'd be interesting to see how, what type of effects you've seen from it. But like, I thought I I thought it sucked. Like I, I like I just think everything I do kind of sucks. Like you know whatever. But I just I do it anyway. Like I, I consider everything a no until you try something. And so I was like, well, I'm gonna do this anyway. And even if it does suck, I'll learn something. Right. But yeah. like. Like day one, people were able to take their podcast episode, like the people I interviewed, and they took that and uh, and used it to get funding, which is like, I didn't think of that. Which, oh, that's great. Yeah. You know, like now I can use that as an argument to get people to talk to me. And so, and some people have gotten jobs and, and the, 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 there's like two people that like kind of jumped to mind as like being able to benefit from this. There's like a, a group of like, they weren't, they didn't do it together, but I think of them as a group because they all contacted me at the same time. But there's like 20 women like maybe like 15 women, like five men who contacted me after this episode where a CTO of a, a healthcare startup talked about programming and they essentially, he talked about it in a way that wasn't like you input the code and then hit bracket, you know, like he was like, he was like, Oh, I really like it. It's like problem solving. Like you get to use a different tool set. And the great thing is, you know, like he talked about it as if it was alive. And so these people, they emailed me and they, they told me that they like took his advice, like go went on to Code Academy and started learning coding for the first time. And that like the women in particular, they thought that like coding before that point was more of like a masculine thing. And be- after that, they were like, they saw it was more of like an art, like an, an act of creation. And so like there are people now who are learning skills that they have never, would never have been exposed to because of the podcast. And it's, it's really exciting. Like I didn't, 
I didn't know it would help people like that, but I'm like very happy that like my, my goal of like, I want to make one person's life better was achieved on like day one. And yeah. now, like now it's like, Oh God, I've achieved that. That came way too fast. What's the next one? <laughs> but uh, what about you? What were any like weird benefits you've seen? Like any like goals that you've seen come to come to fruition? Well, I think uh, a big part of it for me is just kind of the networking or the encouragement it gives me to network rather. Um, and kind of the, the increased perspective I get from talking to all these researchers. Because while science, I mean, the technical aspects and the actual things we need to memorize and know are very different across all these different fields, the common threads of properly planning an experiment, properly doing the background research for it, and um, connecting with people who have technical expertise in areas which you are like lacking, um, those those skills are really universal. And I think that's why you, you do see a lot of PhDs being hired for not necessarily science jobs, just because they do have this kind of general skill and general way of thinking about how they're going to achieve their goals. Um, and And also just being really inspired by everyone I talk to and how passionate they are about their work and how hopeful they are and um, how diligently they're clearly working and, and how, how much they have it together. And, and uh, it does, it does kind of instill a, a feeling of hope in times in which some people are <laughs> lacking that uh, as a feeling. So it, I, I think overall, it's just been a great experience connecting with people and, and learning the ins and outs of podcasting has in, in it, in and of itself been really rewarding. It also, I think, is going to pay dividends down the road for my presentation skills, my public speaking skills. And these are all things that I'm absolutely going to have to do in a job search or um, presenting my research at conferences, et cetera. So it gets, me, it gets me to go that extra mile in terms of networking, which is really a great thing. It, if I didn't have this as an outlet, I think I probably wouldn't put quite as much energy into the networking aspect because I'd want to, oh, I want to focus on my research. But <laughs> you do really have to do um, both to succeed as a scientist, I think. The, well, I definitely see the the value of the networking, like an excuse to talk to people because there's, there's exactly. a lot of people I talk to where I'm pretty sure they wouldn't want to talk to me. <laughs> not me, not, not want to talk to me, but they just, like they're very, like they have very low bandwidth. You're just some guy and there's yeah. a sea of other guys. Yeah. Yeah. But the, well, I don't know. I keep getting complimented. Like people think I'm really good at networking with people now. It's like, I don't know what you're talking about. This is very simple. I just send an email and then I call them. Like, it's like, <laughs> like I just, I try, but I mean, I think that's the big thing. Like, yeah. I think, I think people think it's harder, like whatever they want to do. Like uh, a number of people have emailed me like, Oh, I want to do A, B, and C. Do I need to do, do I need to get X, Y, and Z to do it? And it's like, why would you need that? Like, what would you need? What do you have today that would help you achieve those goals? And then like extrapolate from that. Cause I think, I think people like to set up like walls in front of them, like, Oh, I need a PhD in wizardry or something like that to defeat, you know, uh, Voldemort. And it's like, no, you didn't, you just had to be the chosen one or you just had to be like the right guy at the right time. But well, I think there's it's really, luck. interesting. yeah, I'm well, sorry. You know, you're good. What were you going to say? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's luck involved in a lot of these things, but um, it, it's a consistency too, right? And to be able to go out and and just follow up with someone that you've emailed, is, it, it can take a lot. I mean, people think they don't have the time for it, and you do, 
Um, but you just need to make the commitment really. Mm -hmm. You can take a lot of discipline rather. And, uh, some people get distracted, you know, it's a busy world out there. There's too many things to look at on your phone and on the computer. So pretty easy to go off track. And this thing, like this podcast has become a commitment in which, I mean, I love it. Don't get me wrong, but it's also, um, I would definitely have gone on off track had I not made such a commitment to the listeners and, uh, you know, people who have been supporting us along the way. Mm-hmm. Well, my, my problem, maybe it'd be interesting to see if you're the, you might have the same problem since you're getting a PhD, but I don't, I don't like to do anything that's short term. I'd like things like, so anything I do, it's like, oh, I basically have dedicated the next two to five years to doing it. Like, like I'm learning the violin right now. And it's like, it took me a while to decide on the instrument because it's like, mm-hmm. I, I will not stop for two to five years. Like doesn't Why matter the what violin it is. after all of the, well, I tried a guitar and it doesn't make sense to me. Violin makes sense to me. Like it's, it's simple. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. To me, for, for some reason, it makes sense. Like I, like you do some stuff with your fingers. It's very simplistic. I feel for the guitar. You have to like, I very, I like sausage fingers, I, I think, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why it just kind of like fit. It just made sense to me. I don't have a good answer. I just picked it up. And like the guy from Will Smith, I played and it kind of made sense. And it didn't, it sounded like, you know, cat screaming. But I also could understand I was playing Mary Had a Little Lamb. So, but there you go. Yeah. Yeah. But the, and maybe, yeah, to like to get to the question I was trying to ask, like the, uh, like for me, the podcast, I think it, like as soon as I started it, like no matter how bad it was, and I, it's pretty nice, I think, but the, like I would not stop for two years. Cause I think, I think people, when they try something, and it's good to like try things, like there are things that I, I inherently do try knowing that I'll only try for the three months to see to what extent I want to commit to like two to three years to them or something like that. But I think people give up too soon. Like yeah. whenever you start doing something, you're supposed to suck. If it was good, if it was easy, everyone around you would be great, good at it. And it would be, it wouldn't be worth your time. Yeah. Everyone but would be doing it. <laughs> I, 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 it's kind of like to the point where if, if I suck at something, I generally enjoy it because I know how thoroughly sad it, like just, enjoyable it's going to be to be great at it or to be good at it like i think two to five years if you dedicate two to five years to anything you'll be pretty good at it you dedicate 10 years to it you'll be the best at it like for the you know setting aside like innate talent mm. i think like i think like, you dedicate 10 10 years to something and i think a lot of people our age i assume you're about my age um 26 yeah, yeah i'm 26 yeah high five but um nice. 92 <laughs> what 92 92 yeah oh 19. yeah 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 1992 i was like i, I didn't know if, like, year. i thought you're like <laughs> trying to like multiply it or something i i, I went to math first <laughs> how does 26 equal 92 is this like a thing i should know you've been doing but, too much cost analysis yeah the but um yeah 26 so the i think a lot of people our age like they think that there's like a race or that like if if i told like i know i know one per- person in particular is going to listen to this who has told me like the idea of spending 10 years on something makes them angry or like get upset like oh no i'll waste my time but it's like you're gonna experience those 10 years anyway why not experience those 10 years and then be the best person in this thing and basically be the person who gets to dictate the terms of it for the future like that's that's amazing i love that but i don't know where we're going with this conversation anymore i forgot but i just wanted to say that and do you have the same are you the same way because like are you you're getting a phd so to some extent i think you're the type of person like once you start some in it for the long haul yeah 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 (laughs) Um, yes, I, I have to be pretty selective about those things that I devote a lot of time, energy, and uh, long-term thought on. Like I do a lot of things kind of 
sporadic. I do a lot of things. I will say also that <laughs> um, hobbies include like video games. Um, haven't been paintballing in a while, although I've been doing that since like age 12 and uh, it's about high time I got out. Um, Jiu-jitsu for like two years and, and getting good at all of these things. Yeah, it takes a, a long time and you just got to keep going and keep doing it. Uh, I don't I don't say, okay, I have to do this for two to five years. I think I gravitate towards things that I know I will almost always want to do. Um, I'm going to always want to be playing paintball. I'm going to probably always play some sort of video game with my friends, helps us stay connected. Um, and I'm going to always be doing jujitsu for as long as I'm physically able. I think it's great for the mind and body as long as you don't go too hard, too fast. Um, these things are, are, they have like payoffs, you know, it's a similar thing as podcasting. They're not just for that, like immediate gratification. Sometimes it can be a great stress relief and, um, they feel great in the moment, but yeah, it's, it's something where I have like an ability to progress and, uh, get better in a lot of ways. Um, at the very least like jujitsu and paintball, um, sports that there are so many nuances to that. Uh, so much nuance too that you can draw on uh, years of experience for but I wouldn't say I always adopt that strategy right I try a lot of things out and then I drop them and I get busy with something else and then yeah I move back and forth between a lot of hobbies <laughs> no, that's good like you it's and, and maybe I was playing down but like you do have to like I do the same thing like I, and maybe I was like being too like uh if you've ever seen lost there's a guy on it called jack and like whenever he finds a problem like he goes like manic jack and he like has to hit it and so like sometimes i kind of like gravitate towards that type of thinking but mm -hmm. i do like i do like micro experiments i think it's good to like every three months to try something like a series of new things that's probably because i have a background in marketing like you reassess and do 80 20 analysis every 20 like three to six months so, but i i think it's good like to try new things and like if you hate something like just that's fine like there's nothing wrong with that but i think not trying anything and then with the opinion that you'll hate it and not giving it its time to like mm -hmm. prove itself to you, I think that's a problem. But I don't think either of us was, were doing that, but I was just as a general statement. I, I do think a lot of people get discouraged when they see people post their results online, right? Like the internet is, um, the internet has an inherent bias towards the extremely like successful generally, right? Like you're not going to see pictures of the average person showing up on an Instagram feed that often because there's a ton of average people and uh, they don't generally have like exciting stuff to show the world. But what you will see are all the people who are in like exotic locations or um, flying airplanes upside down or you know stuff like that. That's exciting. And you see like the, the top 1% of the population and you're probably also seeing their top 1% of moments. And to compare against that is really unfair um because you don't see the bottom 99 percent of their life which was the work they did to get to that point so mm -hmm. when you see yourself not being effective at any skill and or activity you'd be like well, well you know i'm never going to be that good so you get discouraged pretty easily um yeah i don't know where i was going with that <laughs> you know, there's a great quote and i forget who says this but the you're praised in public for what you spent years mastering mm-hmm and that does sound familiar. I wouldn't be able to tell you who. Uh, probably like one of those self-help people. But the, the um, what games do you play? Like video games? I play video games too. Um, been doing a fair bit of. Well, League is probably the constant. League of Legends. Um, it's a great game for 
connecting with friends because all my like a lot of my close friends have played it and or still play it um, and teams of five make it a pretty good accessible game for getting groups of guys together um unlike those late nights fond memories for sure but looking more towards the battle battlefield series for a similar um reason have played PUBG, player unknown um player unknowns battlegrounds in the past um and then sometimes with my family i'll play civ 5 although we haven't done that in a while because it's been hard to get everyone on at the same time uh turn-based games also take way too long <laughs> yeah. but in general i find i like uh either kind of combat games or strategy games or some sort of mix between them anything that's multiplayer um or cooperative and things that can hop on uh like a discord server with the buddies and just kind of kick back and and um, catch up with everyone while we're relaxing what about you the i was playing this game before we talked if i'm being honest the the it's called natural selection 2 it's <laughs> it's rts i don't know if you ever heard of this it's rts and first person shooter so interesting so it's like aliens the movie there's like alien creatures and they have like a like a commander hive creature like the have you ever seen aliens i'm gonna make a bunch of references have you ever seen this um i've seen like bits and pieces of so many of the movies and i get okay. them all confused so okay. i know like generally it, what they look like <laughs> oh, well it's it, they don't look like that i don't i'll use okay. the analogies they used in the movie so like there's a queen and then there's a bunch of like other people on the alien team they can be like mm-hmm. they have all have different skills right because they're aliens and they have like different things and then there's the humans which are humans and they have like a commander and then you like there's like a commander on both teams that are like they're in, in charge of like, resource management and like building things and like getting upgrades and doing these things, and, like kind of like managing the team. And then there's the people in the FPS, like the, like the battlefield can go out and shoot people that have to go out and kill the other hive. And it's basically who can, it's basically a game of chess. Like who can go out and kill the other King, the other, like, you know, checkmate piece. Mm-hmm. But then like, it's not like chess piece versus chess piece. It's like having chess pieces on one side and then like, and like the Marines are like normal chess pieces. And then like the other team are basically like shogi or like their own weird things. But they like things kind of link up, but it's really, it's a lot of fun. I, I play that all the time. It's, um, so is, a, is it a multiplayer or is it a single player experience? Multiplayer. Yeah. Totally. Okay, totally so, so you have some person controlling like research management and then like three other people are like kind of the drones going out and in the field or my misunderstanding. It's like, it's like, 16 people versus 16 people one person oh, yes. in the command chair 16 people with shotguns machine guns jetpacks <laughs> uh uh like armored mech suits or in skulks which are like little tiny aliens that can run on walls or that flying aliens that can fly around or or like building aliens that can build things and like like everyone kind of has like their own thing but the the commander basically like tells people what to do put like puts down the buildings but then the hum the fps people have to go up and like build them mm-hmm. and then like they have to go kill the aliens and they have to like teleport around and do stuff it's a, it's a lot of fun actually it's a, it's a, especially if you like that type of like bug hunt type thing because like each like a person who's good at playing the humans is not going to be as like not necessarily going to be as good as playing alien because they because it's a very different dynamics and, and and strategies are very different as well but it's mm-hmm. a lot of fun and it's they're usually i got mine for free off a of humble bundle but it's it's not I love this, yeah. they also made um they made a they made a game that people made a game it's where like they crashed subnautica they made subnautica if you're familiar with that can't say i am I, I, 
pretty much just stick to games my friends play. I okay. let them figure out what the good ones are, and then I hop on <laughs> and okay. buy whatever they're playing. It's it you know again kind of a, a dual purpose hobby. Mm. Makes sense. I, w- I would recommend um, natural selection too, then, because then you can do the commandering stuff, and then you can also do the like mm. shooting stuff, and then it's I like. Imagine- Imagine it's a little aggravating if the commander doesn't know what they're doing, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> Why'd it, you put that building there? It's just gonna get wrecked immediately. <laughs> it, it's it's really easy for a commander to lose the game, but you also can kick the commander out of the chair and put someone else uh, in there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, there's like mechanisms in place, but then if you have like if you have like your a group of people you're playing with, then you just jump in, then you kind of control everything. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, if you like real like grand strategy, these are. We're like going kind of down the weeds on this, but Europa Universal is four, and Crusader Kings two, but Europa Universal is four is really fantastic. It's basically you play as a country through like the eighteen hundreds to the early nineteen hundreds, and you find America. No, like fourteen hundreds to eighteen hundreds or whatever it was, and you like basically you find countries and you like colonize. It's it's like it's a four X strategy game. It's really it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's it's very strategy rific and you can play it on multiplayer and like have fun like uh wiping out your friends' countries and their people and their cultures and their religion. And uh yeah, it's it's a fun game. But those are my recommendations. If you want to, it, it does take a little bit to get into. It's not is it turn-based? No, it's not turn-based. So you, you don't have to worry about that. It's kind of turn-based, but not really. It's like you can control the speed. Like you can go really fast or really slow. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to check them out. Yeah, we went too far on this. I think <laughs> it's my bad. It's all right. Uh, no, no it, it, people like to hear uh, kind of about. I mean, you know, everyone's real people who comes on the podcast, right? And I always try and ask, like, what are your hobbies outside of lab? Because I know everyone likes to claim that they're always in lab, but they're not, nor should they be. Um, and I think those whatever balances you out as a person can be an asset towards. Uh, how you perform when you're in the office or in lab or wherever you are. It's true. Then I, I have like two questions before we probably should wrap it up. The um, I don't know how long yours are, but the one question is what is something you're like either like weirdly good at that either no one believe you or that you tend not to tell people that's like your special ability. My special ability. Yeah, people are usually good at something and they, like, it's like something really weird. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that would be. Hmm. Um. I mean, I think I'm generally creative, but that's not exactly that special, nor well, is it necessarily it, that secret. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be like, I guess I've framed the question properly. It's just like something that you're really good at, like something that, if it is unique to you, like, but at the same time, it's like a, a outlier ability that you're like weirdly specially good at. Like some people, they can roll a dice and always land on 20, like a nat 20. Uh, I've met people like that. I don't want to play games with them, but the, <laughs> yeah. So being creative is like yours. Uh, generally, uh, you know, this is going to seem like a pretty contradictory answer, but I do think I'm fairly quick to think on my feet when I enter uh I should say, uh, I, I think I'm quite effective in a flow state. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I'm not so effective at inducing that flow state all the time. Uh, but once I do get into flow, nearly unstoppable. And the, uh, flow states are something that I 
should do some more reading on at some point too, but <laughs> uh, got a real backlog of, of stuff, of papers on my desk at the moment. Uh, I actually studied, I, I was in a research lab that studied flow and how to induce it. And mm-hmm. on my, um, on my podcast, we, we interviewed, I say we in the Royal sense, there's not another person The we interviewed a lady who has found a way to like combine AI with brain monitoring to figure out how to tap into flow more often and like it's really good to like neurofeedback like, right yeah 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 and it's like i'll I'll, rec- I'll I'll like send it your way but there's like a ton of literature she, if you wanted to like poke one per- she has a phd in it so if you want mm-hmm. to like poke one person and she'd probably respond to you and give you links and stuff if you want to learn more about it or you can just sure, listen to her and talk to. about it yeah yeah but the um yeah no i think i can i see your point so you're like a like a terminator once you're in flow <laughs> i have had um uh, it not doesn't necessarily have to be in an aggressive situation. I have had people tell me I should have been an assassin, but uh, that would not have been a, a fun job, in my opinion. <laughs> as as much fun as yeah, as much fun as playing video games is, the real thing would not be a good time. Although you I, you know, bodies. generally I, I do tend towards um, aggressive combat like sports, so jujitsu and paintball being no exception. Uh, but they they tend to drive me into flow, and I think that's why I like them so much. In that there's kind of a very strong penalty for me making an error. And so that induces norepinephrine, adrenaline release, and then bang, I'm in flow state and I'm um, reaching that potential that I, I love to get to. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say judo's aggressive. I think judo's like, I think ju- judo's like the essence of flow. It's not really about aggression. It's more about redirection, right? Yeah, no, all those martial arts are. But uh, when you have someone who has trained longer than you and they're your size are bigger and they're pinning you down to the mat uh it's pretty hard to not have a physiological response to that (laughs) and then your senses become a lot more alert and aligned um the the task itself yeah actually it does flow i mean they call it rolling in jujitsu because you are actually rolling you're transitioning weight over and over and over again um, and, and the tables can turn quite rapidly in that, and it gets it gets to be really, really enticing. Mm-hmm. Well, I was, I, I wrestled for like mm-hmm. six or so years, so I kind of like understand the concept yeah. of judo. You probably should get into it; it might be fun. We can well, judo. judo there's judo and there's jujitsu. So, I mean, I I end up rolling with people who are in both camps. Uh, judo is more of uh, throws and um, like. They they tend to do a lot of stand up work and that's where they destroy me. I always know who's who's double uh, going to double practices of judo and jujitsu because when we do stand up takedowns, uh, I, I get thrown on the mat pretty quick. Both all about balance and and leverage, of course. Hmm. Just different styles. Yeah. Well, I, I I like your special abilities. Then um, the last question I like to ask is if you could because I'm doing a series on immortality, which I probably reference too many times in this, but the hmm. I like it. Common themes are, are always nice. Yeah. If you ever liked really like crazy themes, like uh, really intricate books, you should check out. I don't know if you're into epic fantasy, but there's a book called Malazan Book of the Empire. Like it's a like a ten book series, and like every line in that in that series, it gets carried through to a different thing in the, in the later book. And they're like they're like Harry Potter, like really really thick books. But any hoozles. The, the the question I have is if you could give longevity to anyone in just the like classical sense of longevity, not like an extra 300 years, just give them as much life as they want and health span as well, that 
if you can give three people that feature present or past and they can't be someone you love hmm. or a family member what would those three people be and, and why okay um hmm see the the people that i think about in terms of like i always like to think about um kind of like big picture impacts of my research right and ultimately a lot of longevity is going to have to tackle the aging of the brain. So I was trying to think about what are the brains that I want to protect? Um, you know, it's going to be a pretty stereotypical answer, but I think Elon Musk and what he has done in the renewable energy space is um, really commendable and necessary. I think if we want to tackle like the greater goals of, and challenges that climate change is going to present to us as a species. Another one, um, I think Bill Gates has done an incredible amount of uh, philanthropic good in, in Africa. I mean, the guy's like getting rid of a bunch of diseases at once. He's started a huge tech company, which we, we all have our problems with Microsoft, but, <laughs> um, you know, still depend on their products every day. And then he went on and just decided he was going to cure a bunch of the world's diseases. I think that's pretty cool too. I'd like to see him keep doing that. Uh, but again, we do come into the topics of health span and, and all of that. Uh, third, let's see. Um, you, you did say in the past as well, right? Yeah. You can pick Einstein if you wanted. He's cheating though. I, I consider him like the Neo uh, of our matrix. He knows too much. Yeah, I mean, he he knows a lot, but I, I don't know why Einstein doesn't really stand out to me. I guess maybe a bad taste in the mouth from the nuclear bomb. And I know that um, when he came up with those theories, he he was really like sad about how things would go with that. Uh, a personal, fault. yeah, I know, I know, a personal interest that would be that would be really neat. Um, Nikola Tesla might also be um, one to. I know as a person, he probably wasn't like necessarily the friendliest um but his inventions seem to have a, a pretty great impact or potential as well then oh you know what i might replace him with and i'm i don't know this kid's name but he developed a thorium salt reactor in his garage um thorium salts being mm -hmm. a type of nuclear energy fuel um that harnesses basically spent fuel rods from uh typical uranium uh fuel cells for power plants, nuclear power plants, if I'm getting this right. I don't know the exact science as well as I should perhaps talk about this. <laughs> but he, he designed one of these reactors in his garage. Um, and these are kind of systems that you can put in place that could power a whole city block for practically eternity. Um, and they're pretty small size of like a porta potty, for example, or a very large refrigerator. And uh, this kid was like 17 when he made one in his garage. So I don't know that he's uh 100 proven himself yet but i think he's got enormous potential and and that also seems to be something that the human race could could use mm -hmm. just just as a note i feel like if tesla was given that gift he, you're basically making a super villain like he, yeah like that's a, why i was <laughs> backtracking on that a little bit yeah. um he's yeah maybe not the best person but if you could channel that energy and potential i think that'd be great yeah well, he needs like a mentor. But mm -hmm. his mentor was supposed to be to, uh, Edison, but that guy was kind of a brick. 
but yeah uh, just a friend maybe is all he needed yeah he just needs <laughs> a friend like, like megamind yeah oh i like that movie all right but um so the for people listening in, what would they get out of your podcast like if they were like to be like hey this conor mcgregor guy he's not a <laughs> boxer what i don't know what your last name is i hope it's not wander but the <laughs> is it is it wander oh no you've got me is it really Mm-hmm. i thought it was i'm not good at names today i don't I go just, by miss uh i don't go by a pen name or whatever that is yeah okay but anyways all right so what i don't mean to insult your name by the way but the um what what would they get out of your podcast that they that you think would entice them to listen from my side well i think what you get with straight from a scientist is you get these opinions these insights all straight from the researchers that are working on the relevant experience so i don't like to um, go on about things that i don't know a whole lot about i'd prefer to just ask the experts and our episodes focus on the experts or rising experts in their field a lot of our, our uh, interviewers interviewees are um, students and they're driving our current understanding, like the human race's current understanding of various diseases, of um, various technical hurdles, of electronics, of ecology, it's all over the place. And they can tell you what it's like to kind of be at the forefront of the research. So if you want to know um, what that day-to-day experience is like, what um, the super exciting things are in a given field, what are the things to look out for, and just what do we know as uh, a base level and a base understanding of uh, biological mechanisms of uh, like nutritional neuroscience or the gut brain axis, for example. Um, we we try and source that knowledge as close to the well as possible. So it's as fresh and it's like unadulterated, um, doesn't have a lot of people translating it, whether or not people um, want to mess up the end result that it's always a game of telephone with things. And so with these conversations, we're just trying to bring that out there um, clean and pure. Uh, so yeah, that's probably what people would get out of it. And they're fun. <laughs> I like them. Oh, I have a, yeah, I have a good time doing it. I yeah. always come out learning like so much and then having a, a bunch of reading to do afterwards and things to follow up on. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a great time. Yeah, I would, uh, for my own, I would say similar things, I would think. the I think the difference is, I would say, I would say like 80% of the people on my podcast are scientists that mm. have started a, a startup. So they're like, they're applying it though. There are a significant, there are a number of them that are just like researchers, like working in labs and stuff as well. But the big thing is you're going to see how they translated it. Like what made them like make that step? What, why them? And you're going to basically follow along through what they're passionate about. So even if you don't understand artificial intelligence or synthetic biology, like, you know, I don't understand those things very well. But I use like we talk about what they they care about, and it's really easy to like kind of latch on and understand what is interesting, what is neat. And by the end of it, and there's usually book recommendations in the show notes and that type of thing that they've they've um, shared with me. And so, like it's like you get to learn what their life is like, what they're doing every day, like how they do it, so you get like a little bit of inspiration, a little mm-hmm. bit of education. And then at, at the end of it, it's like, hey, I can learn more about this, which is fantastic as well. And then you can email them if you want. Like most of them have their contact information, like their LinkedIn or something. And they always like people emailing them and letting them know if they have any questions. Yeah, I think it's um, podcasting is really the only way to do some of this stuff. And it's interesting that 
the scientific community has taken so long to get to this point where people are ready to talk about their science, but it's very easy to be shy about it. <laughs> not going to lie. Um, was that, was that ever a barrier to you uh, when starting podcasting? Uh, I know there is this general uh, stereotype that scientists are more introverted and I, I don't know whether you would consider yourself intro or extra extra. And I don't know if those uh, things are, necessarily real personality <laughs> types and, and set in stone or whether they're somewhat malleable um, in terms of development and, and the way you can train yourself. But did you find that to be a challenge in, in terms of putting the podcast together? Did you find like, what were your major challenges in actually putting the series together or were you pretty much press record and go with it? I'm pretty loquacious. Um, I think people were reticent the difference is it's unless you say no to me i'm gonna keep poking you and then and then if you say no to me i'm gonna ask you why and then until you answer me i'm gonna poke you some more and then so by the end of it you'll just say yes i don't know that's not like it's not maybe not the best answer but there's been a number of people who have been reticent and like i they didn't know who i was because i didn't even have the podcast i was like hey i want to do this like stranger man number one you know stranger man lowell uh, would like to talk to you and record your voice and, you know, what have you, and potentially put it and share it with, you know, thousands of people. And a number of people were just like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, but uh, a number of people were reticent and needed some uh, relaxing, I'd, I'd say, but I wouldn't say it, it was difficult. I would say it was like really fun. Like I kind of enjoy challenges. I think it's fun when people say no, I think it's fun when people say yes. I learned stuff either way. Um, I wish I had like, all oh, this is really crappy. They're, they're, people have been mean to me. I think that's kind of fun. To, it's really hard to hurt my feelings. I think maybe it's like something I should probably state here. And I don't, I tend to take events that most people would take as negative and, and try to find like something funny about them. So I'm able to laugh and not cry about it. But like, um, there were people who were quite mean and, and, uh, I've sent them, you know, episodes that I've done and they were like, Oh, I'm sorry for treating you that way. I, I thought you were just like, yeah, you know, a dumbass and just like oh you know no it's it's fine you know I, i'm sure and i looked at the email i sent them I was like this is kind of a bad email that they, they have grounds for this i kind of wrote like an idiot but i think the big thing is just getting out of your own way uh being straight to the point and i think people i think when you, you're very clear on what you want to achieve with someone people will help you when you say hey i want to help people be inspired and educated and and doing things and i think what you're doing is really inspire worthy would you be up for like a little quick phone call or like discuss this in an email? Most people are not going to say no to the opportunity of talking about something that they care about. So I, I think, I mean, there, there was definitely like figuring out how to do recording, which is new to me, figuring out how to like, like logistics and time management. Some I've always been really good at, especially since I did like free, freelance consulting. Like I'm just really good at that type of thing. I wouldn't say there's anything that would be particularly frustrating. I mean, there, I would, I just kind of enjoyed it. I enjoy talking to everyone. I did not answer your question very well. I, I'm sure there were like, there are things that like frustrated me when people. No, I mean, it, it may not necessarily, there may not have been any big barriers. And I think looking back from my own experience, there wasn't any one big barrier. There's just, you know, little small things that you're inevitably going to overcome if you persevere at things like this. Uh, I, I remembered one. Uh, uh, okay. Okay. Gatekeepers. I hate gatekeepers. They piss me <laughs> off. So I have hit, I've, I've, I do the polite method. If there's a CEO I want to talk to, I, I, I start at the front door like any gentleman would. I ring the doorbell and I say, hello, is Mr. Smith home or Mrs. Smith? And they say, no, he's not. 
he or she is not in. And I can hear them. They're upstairs. I know they're there. But I'm like, okay, that's fine. Would you mind giving them this letter? And then they're like, they say, of course, I already had a conversation with them about this and they're not interested. They're lying. They're lying to you. I don't like that. I don't like being lied to. (laughs) So, so like, I'll just get the CEO's personal, I already have the CEO's personal contact information. I was probably either referred to them or it exists somewhere. And then I'll, I'll email them separately. And I say, Hey, by the way, I'm going to contact you. And then by the time I hear back from the gatekeeper saying, Oh, I've talked to them and they're not interested. I've already interviewed the CEO. (laughs) So it's like, that pisses me off. Like it's clear. It's clear. You didn't, relay the message and that's fine you know a part of like a gatekeeper's job is to like filter out not you know ensure that the person's time isn't wasted but if i can get around you and that person is like not not only are they open to it but they were excited at the at the idea of helping and and inspiring other people then you weren't screening right and that kind of and then like the attitude that they have can sometimes irritate me i like i'm really big in customer service so i really think that like people need to be nice especially when like you're kind of like one of the first people people talk to when they're when they, face of a company. Yeah. 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 But I'd say that was the biggest thing, but it was just more like, I, I hate that. I hate bad customer service. Like it really pisses me off, but uh, there, there you go. I remembered it. There's one. <laughs> no, that's good. But I got around it in a, in a funny way. <laughs> yeah. That's a good a- actionable strategy that you can use. Um, yeah. I don't have to uh, talk to that many CEOs, but that's definitely something that I want to do in the future because there's a ton of people here to tap into in the Research Triangle Park area. Is it where the Illuminati live? Because you said Triangle so many times recent, like when you were talking about it, I was like, is like, does he get like nickel for every time? Is there like Triangle, Triangle, Triangle in the name? No, it's uh, yeah, it's a clo- colloquialism for the area. Hmm. All right. Well, th- did you have any questions you had for me? that you wanted to know i'm very riveting um or we can end I, it you know I, I didn't write any down if i'm being honest that's fine uh, yeah i didn't i didn't know exactly what shape we wanted this whole thing to to take but are you really excited about any pending episodes um or upcoming interviews that people should know about or you do you keep that all under wraps before it happens mm, i think i'm starting like this patreon page and then I think I'd share it with those people so like ask me questions because I want to involve more of my listeners. But then mm-hmm. I want to like involve people that are being a little bit more supportive. So like my right. super fans. Yeah, we were thinking of doing that too. Give them access to give interview questions and submit them if they're supporters. Yeah, it's, it's well, it's different than like some person is like, oh, I hear you're interviewing this person that I wish I could interview. I'm gonna ask this stupid question, you know, versus like, hey, I'm a longtime listener. I love what you're doing and I support right. you. Exactly. You know, like, I want to encourage. I want that person, even if, you know, in whatever form. In yeah. I want like that investment. Like, Oh, I've been here for a while. I know what type of questions you like to ask, what you like to get about. And this is what I want to hear. Like, I want to do that, but to, I have no problem sharing. I just, um, I usually do it through like the newsletter when I tell people what's going on or, or, but I think the Patreon page, which additionally, all the episodes I'm doing for like the new series that are coming out, I'm making crossword puzzles and word banks and it's only on there, but it's um, like the nice. New York times. My girlfriend, my girlfriend and I are kind of nerdy people, so we're making word banks out of the key terms that we talk about, <laughs> like, uh, like the like you'll have a sentence like, "What is synthetic biology?" and "What is the like?" and following up on you know that one, who is the scientist that was talked about in this that is doing blah blah blah? And then you like use their names, but I don't know if, if you're not like nerdy like that, that's fine too. But to answer your question, George Church, he is fantastic. I loved talking to that guy. He was so nice, and 
I didn't think you talked to me, if I'm being honest. But he he did. And we talked about so many cool things. And that's it, a weird thing. And this is probably not something that people would believe since I'm talking a little differently. But when I'm in my normal like state of nature, I talk really slow. Like I don't really feel the need to talk fast. If I'm being just myself, like I won't really say all that much. Like if we're hanging out, I'll probably say like three or four words like in an hour just because I don't I like to listen a lot. But when I was talking to George, like I realized we kind of talk similarly. Like our cadence was like and he talks very calmly. So that's like and on re-listen, it was it, it was like was was I marrying him too much? But it was like it was kind of funny. But um his his episode is really fantastic. We get into like they're putting DNA into apples like they're no they're taking like the wikipedia and putting it in dna of apples <laughs> they're they're making to store it right yeah no? yeah yeah to store it and because of like you know you know eden and bringing us back to wisdom as like a, a poetic thing Symbol, like, yeah yeah and um they're making it so that pig organs can be transferred into humans they are working on making it so we will never be susceptible to viruses ever again unless it was designed by a human to specifically mess with humans that's really cool and they're designing a way to attach information onto dna and then hook it up to neuron cells so you can access it like a google search in your brain like that's how i described it i'm probably butchering that but that one's really fascinating i like that guy he's he's amazing and then i'm working on the longevity series which everyone i've talked to like it's some crazy stuff going on and then citrus greening, which is like, like just here's the takeaway. If like people are like, this is the first one that's going to come out. It's like the next big one is like first big one that I've ever done. Here's the takeaway. So everyone has seen the movie Interstellar, like where there's that blight that's like wiping out crop after crop after crop, which eventually would wipe out the human race. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that, that basically is a runaway disease with these monocultures wiping them out. There's no hope for humanity. So we have to leave or just die. And so, the, the question I pose is, what if all those things were happening and what if all those things started happening almost 10 years ago and that is, in fact, what has happened with citrus? Like, citrus is being hit with a disease and in the United States, 60 to 70% of citrus, oranges, et cetera, have been wiped out. By That's this, terrifying. Yeah, wow. and there's nothing they can do for the most part besides quarantine and those type of strategies. And and here's a, here's a little, little, little uh, factoid before I... Um, I'll ask you a question or like uh, see if there's anything else but um in florida you know like what is florida known for oh the orange of course right <laughs> they've had 70 yeah 70 to like uh, like 80 to 90 percent of the oranges wiped out never coming back in florida it's pretty sad yeah right but yeah that's that's what i'm really excited about because it's because we get into like what it's what we get into it's like a radio lab or freakonomics type episode. I've interviewed a bunch of experts and we, like I, I weave it through a narrative of like personal experiences and what happened and how it is not being stopped. But it might be one day. I should hope so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got some top minds on it. Yeah. What about you? Any, any special ones? Um, well, I'm, so we just did one on the microbiome gut brain axis and I think it really it really effectively lays out kind of the relevant factors in a healthy gut microbiome, things you should be looking for. And it gives like some really good tangible advice for people who are maybe trying to start learning about um, the microbiome. And we're, we're trying to work on these 
like full media packages for um, some of these podcasts we're putting out. Episode 31 being a prime example of uh, the guest we had, Miguel. Uh, he's a researcher in gut microbiome and the gut brain axis. He recently wrote a review which we did of which we did a breakdown and I'm currently working on some graphical abstracts and graphical representations of said breakdown so that people can kind of digest the science in written form from his uh, review, the primary source, his podcast, the primary source, but then also more accessible. Uh, we have a vocab list, we have uh, a breakdown, and we're also going to have like this uh, kind of a storyboard infographic to understand the whole thing in sequence. And so I'm, I'm really interested to see how people prefer to digest that information, um, if any ways are a little more effective at doing this, or if it really is the whole package. Um, and we're, we're hoping to do this in future episodes as well. So I'm going to be uh, with an uh, HIV researcher on Friday who I've interviewed in the past, but definitely going to be asking him some questions, a little more detailed questions about the nitty gritty of HIV research and how we can get like past the next hurdle in HIV therapies. So uh, yeah, it keeps me, it keeps me busy, keeps me dreaming. So I'm loving it. That's fantastic. I'm also experimenting with the written form of things and the citrus green one. I'm seeing if it'll go into Nat Geo, which might be right. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I'm also making a YouTube channel about like, like kind of like, I don't know if you like SciShow Sci Show News, but then the, I'm taking like individual, like the pig organ thing. Like I'll take that and then make like a, like a nine minute and 99 second clip, like a video explaining it. So like anyone can understand it. Which is like fun for me because then I get to learn how to explain it simply. Then if I get it wrong, people can make fun of me. Which is how I believe it should be so that I am socially pressured to be better. Exactly. <laughs> but that's yeah, like... A bit of penalty. <laughs> yeah, penalty box. And that was Connor from Straight From A Scientist. I hope you liked learning about him and his podcast and his team. Check the show notes to see where you can follow him at and check him out. And like I said in the beginning, you hate it you like it, you love it, you want some more of it, let me know. <laughs> I don't know where that was from. Just give me some feedback. All right, everybody. Other than that, I want to inform people before we go that there is a new way to show support for the podcast and to keep it advertisement free from now until forever, which is called Patreon. If you go to Patreon and look for Learning with Lowell, you'll see this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We can be found on Twitter at Lowell was here, Facebook, and on the website, learningwithlowell.com. Also sign up for the newsletter where you can hear amazing content every Monday, new episodes every Tuesday, and new blog posts around every Thursday. Remember to share and tell your friends. Please and thank you.